going to play with some things this morning. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Flying up for the audience, mate. Come on. This might make things a little easier. Did I turn it off? Where's Sean? Sean's not back yet with my glasses? All right. We'll make do till he gets here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! Thank you. All right, you don't, we, we, up here. It's, you don't have to follow me. It's okay, it's okay. Oh, neat. Who's excited for school tomorrow? I would put that mostly on the positive side. That is pretty impressive. I used to get very bored in school holidays as well, so I, I was always excited to go back to school. We're going we're gonna to try a couple of things today. Who can see some colours up here? You can see some colours. Let's see what happens when we put them in a glass, hey? Um, what, what should we start with? Blue. You start with blue? Okay, I'll put a bit of blue in here. You might, oh, you got it? Yeah, cool. There we go. Neat. All right, what, what color next? Who wants to do a color? Red? All right, we've been asked for some red. Oh, that's pretty good. Yellow? Okay, I've been asked for some yellow. All right, green? This is the secret recipe for Coke right here, yeah. Um, we might as well put some, some orange in, hey? Now, isn't that impressive? Isn't that amazing? It's brown. I don't want to drink that. That's, it's water. It's okay. Now, that, that's, that's not that impressive, isn't it? Now, one of the things, though, when we live life and try and fill things in our order... Our lives get out of order and they get a bit mucked up and messy. Who knows a story in the Bible where it talks about a whole bunch of different colors? Noah. What happens at the end of Noah's story? There's a rainbow and God puts a rainbow in the sky. Why? To show his love for us and his covenant that he's going to love us and not destroy us, even though he's able to. And the thing with God is when we live his way, Things keep in order. So let's see what happens. Who can tell me the colors of a rainbow in order? Red. Okay. 
We'll start with red because I've only got red so far. All right, let's see if we can get this working. I haven't actually tried this before, so... You've got to go slow with this. Sometimes the work of God is a little bit slow in our lives. We'd like it to go a lot faster. Oh, those colors are very close to the same. What, what comes after orange? Let's see if we get a better effect. Yellow. Why? Because it's Roy. Okay, the color of the rainbows are Roy G. Biv. So if you're sending him a letter, you put that, Roy G. Biv at heaven.com. If we do this slow enough, technically this should work. Or so YouTube told me. Do we do we have some different colouring there? Do we have Separation. I don't know. We'll have to test with green. Green will give us a better idea if we're going to get this working. I did try it and I did get it working once out of five attempts. This isn't one of them, as Paul said. Yeah, there we go. Oh. We've got, got a little bit. Let's, let's get some more green in. What color comes after green? This would have worked a lot better if chemists sold 50 mil um, syringes, but apparently they don't anymore. Hey. hey, hey, Tim, I need some backlighting here, man, because I can see it when I hold that up that way. I, I... Uh, there we go. All right, let's get some blue on top. I didn't, I didn't do indigo or violet because I tried that food coloring, and it just looked black, and it was pretty ordinary. Here we go. Let's see if we can get water sitting on top of itself. Hey! The guys on YouTube look so much better than that, I can tell you that. I don't know what they're using. But here's the significance of that. When we let God put the order in right, things turn out looking a lot prettier than they do when we try it ourselves. And do it our way. I don't want to drink it. You're, you're like grade seven students when I go play with Coke and Tim Tams. And one of my favorite games is to get bobbing for Tim Tams. You get a bowl of Coke, 
drop Tim Tams in it and get kids bobbing for Tim Tams. By the end of it, after they've chewed up the Tim Tams and left pieces in there, you can, it looks like the morning after curry. And um, of course, whenever you play this game with... Sorry for those that I just gave a shout out to. Um, and whenever you play this game with grade 7 students, they sit there and they do this. I say, who wants to drink it? They go, no, you drink it. And I hate Coke. But you have to save face at that point. And so you pick up the bowl and you... It's water. It really is water. So let God order our lives so that it looks pretty than it does if we mess it all up ourselves. Amen. Thank you. Quietly back to parents. We're going to talk about Noah this morning, okay? Okay, let's go quietly back to parents. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, you just want to hang out with me. You can sit there if you want. You can stay if you really want. Uh, fellas, I need a hand getting that up and this out. and Rad. For those that really want to know what was going on, I was playing with water density. That red glass had 25 teaspoons of sugar in it. Thank you. (laughs) So out of all the girls and boys, who wants to drink the rest of the red cup? Just as we're settled, I, um, I've been looking at YouTube this week, as, as you do, uh, with things, and found interesting clips on YouTube, and just want to show you a couple of, couple of different clips on YouTube. Actually, I'll keep that water bottle. Can you go to the... So brave. So. <laughs> All right, and um, something even more interesting, I'll show you the next one. Wait for it. Wait, the really good bit's coming. It, it was so very... Did you see it? Did you... Oh, oh, hang on. It'll happen again. It'll happen again. Yeah, right there. Right there. You... you... I, it's, it's okay. Um... I didn't grab the whole video. This video goes for an hour and a half on YouTube. It's sister video watching paint dry is 10 hours. There is literally a 10-hour video of watching paint dry on, on, on YouTube. And, um, you know, there's certain bits of the Bible that 
um, a really exciting and a really joy to read and a whole bunch of fun and, and get us laughing and get, sometimes get scratching their heads going, what happened there? I can't even believe that's in there. Then there's other bits of the Bible that at first glance almost feel like watching that video. And it's like, how can you say that about the Bible? Well, let's, let's read one passage of it this morning. Adam, Seth, Enosh. Most exciting verse in the Bible right there. Kenan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, at first glance, this really doesn't look like it's got that much in it or, or that exciting, but genealogies realistically are one of those really exciting bits of the Bible. Absolutely fantastic because maybe not of what it says directly, but what it says underneath that. See, God has this wonderful overarching plan and it is just awesome. It is fantastic. But see, God's faithfulness isn't just for the planet. It's for every individual. God loves every individual. God loved Jared so much, he thought of him, recorded his name for all history and all eternity and put him right there. God loved Mahalal so much that he put his name right there. God's intent and his faithfulness is towards every individual. God's faithfulness towards you is like no one else. There is no one else in history like you. There is no one else in history that has your thoughts, skill set, abilities in this time zone. You are it. There is no one in all history that can worship the Father like you can. There is no one in all history that can do and fulfill the purpose that he has for you. There is a purpose and a reason and a destiny for you. And I love when we look at genealogies and we can see that and we can call that and go, he wrote this with that in heart and with that in mind that there is an everyone in mind for all of us there. Because as we think about it, and there's certain ones especially that would affect the course of history, and, and I wonder what it is on your life, individually, his faithfulness towards you, that can affect the course of history, that can affect the course of time and can totally change it. Because you read this genealogy here, and you think about if, one person in particular there, Noah, if he didn't love a life of following God 100%, going entirely and giving his all to the kingdom of God and the purposes of God, well, that's the end of the Bible right there. It stops at that point. We don't exist. We don't actually happen. And so this morning, come on, no pressure, Noah. No pressure, but I just want to talk a little bit about Noah this morning, and so just going and reading a bit of Genesis chapter 6 as we begin there. And then Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. They had mixed the rainbow upside down. Can you keep in front of me, Caleb? There we go. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds and creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, don't you think that's weird? That God said, like, he was upset with humans, but it wasn't just humans he wanted to wipe out. He was going to wipe out all the animals. 
People go, come on, dogs are nice. I like dogs. Some people like cats. If I had a pet cat, I'd probably call it speed bump. But, um, <laughs> hey, prophetic, okay? And that's why I didn't name my fish. Those that have been around to my place lately go, what? Look, oh, your fish tank's not doing so well. No, it's been empty for a year. And, and uh, so, it, but it's, what do animals do? What did that poor little bunny rabbit do? Well, animals were placed under our care, and if there's no humans, their order pretty quickly turns to chaos and disorder and, and runs amok and is outside God's plan and will. And so we're here to look after them. So if we're not here, there's chaos and disorder within that. And then you get that verse, verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that, that's, that's a pretty decent epitaph right there. That's a pretty decent epitaph, and it gets even better. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. You know, I wouldn't mind that on my tombstone at the end. I'd be happy for that to go there. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence, and God saw how corrupt the earth had become, and all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So go make yourself an ark of cypress wood, or gopher wood as some translations say, and make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out, and this is how you'll build it. It's to be 300 cubits long or roughly 150 metres by 25 metres by 15 metres high. Make a roof. Leave below the roof an opening of one cubit all around, so a little space of half a metre, some windows. Put a door on the side and make a lower, middle and upper deck. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all the life under the heavens and every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on life will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives. You are to bring them into the ark, all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away for food for you and them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now, this whole thing starts with God being, it says God was grieved or God was sad. He was, he was upset in this place. And I wonder if sometimes we, we act and we, we behave in such a way that we really don't, we really pretend like God doesn't have emotions at all. Sometimes our actions pretend like other people don't have emotions in the way we behave and talk and think as well. But often we act in ways that we don't think God has emotions. We, we know God has joy. We know God here, it says he was grieved. We know that there's times in the Bible it says he's angry. But we're in relationship with him. We're in relationship with God. And there's, there's one thing you sort of learn about relationships. Over time, you learn about relationships that it's important to care for the people that you're in relationship with. And, and not just care about how good they make you look or, or what they can do for you or um, how they smell. Apparently, how I smell is an important topic, as I found out yesterday. Um, and or, or all these things, where we, when we care about someone else, we care about how they feel. I've been married 12 years. I've learned this lesson once, twice, 
And if you don't care about how they feel, the relationship doesn't go that well. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You, you, you may have been there as well uh, within that. And mostly, when we think about God, and often when we think about how God relates to sin, we often think about these emotions with him, anger, sadness. But I, I wonder if that's really what's going on in his heart and really what happens for him. Because we know God hates sin. It hurts us and it offends his glory. But I reckon in God's heart and what goes on for God, it's more grief than anger. I know when my boys and, and daughter at some point when she gets old enough to be a bit more moral in her actions, when they do things, it's not so much I get angry at their actions, but it's, it's a sadness for them and their development. I know as they get older, that will probably be even more the case as things happen with them. You know, we've, we've talked about sin in this place a lot. We've talked about the different aspects of sin, transgression, sin, iniquity, um, transgression to, to disobey God, sin to not hit the mark that God stored for us, iniquity, the, the state within us which is out of balance or twisted up or a deep moral decay and cavity within us. The Bible says that the heart of man is exceedingly evil within us. But I, I want to talk this morning probably about another couple of aspects within that of, of the things of commission and omission. The things we do and the things we don't do. Because so often when we think of sin, we, 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 we well up and we think about the things that we do and the things that we can fix. What's the things that we can fix? The problem with that is you can still do nothing wrong but be doing nothing right. If all we focus on is the things that we don't do wrong, we can still be doing nothing right. Now, I don't think it's those sort of things that grieve the heart of the Father. I don't think it's the things that we do that are wrong that grieve the heart of the Father. I think it's the things that we miss, the things that, that we don't do, the, the things that we could have or should have, the opportunities to share the heart and the faith of God, the opportunities to pray for someone, the opportunities to celebrate with someone, the opportunities to cry with someone. The opportunities to spend time and worship, the opportunities that we have to rise up in faith together, to make a stand, the opportunities that it is to fast and encourage and pray. Maybe you're here and you're doing pretty well this morning. You're like, oh, I've, I, there is things, I am not doing anything wrong. I can tick the mark and there is not anything that I'm doing. And I'm excited for you. I am so excited within that and I encourage you to keep doing that. And that is awesome. But I wonder if in that, there's still some things that you may be holding back. Some things that are held behind, that are, that are kept back within there. We know Noah was like that. Noah was a man of righteousness. He wasn't doing the wrong things. He wasn't acting violently. He wasn't inciting violence. He wasn't part of the UFC that had engulfed the world at that point. Um, he hadn't joined a fight club. He wasn't, wasn't doing that. He was a man of righteousness. And then God comes down to him and taps him on the shoulder and goes, Hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. And it's very hard to think of this story without hearing Bill Cosby's voice. And I know he's been in the news for all the wrong reasons, but his Noah clip is still funny. Um, and God comes down to him and, and, and asks, I want you to build a boat. And I, I'm in the middle of the desert. The water's way over there. What, what's going on? Oh, it's going to rain what's rain it's never rained on the earth before at this point and and so he asked noah to build this boat and noah as we read before 
He did everything just as God commanded him. Now, the boat was 150 meters long, 25 meters wide, 15 meters high, had three decks in it. Noah didn't have power tools. He wasn't as blessed as we are. I remember um, this thing when Rex was constructing this, and um, that's, that's why Rex has lost some hair um, on, on top with that one. Uh, it, it, it took a week of nights and, and days and construction, a whole bunch of things, with a whole bunch of power tools to put this thing together. But Noah didn't have any of that. And if we are to believe some of the traditions, Noah actually planted the trees, grew them, cut them down, milled them, got them ready, and then built the whole boat with them. Noah was 500 when God tapped him on the shoulder. So you too, you've got plenty of time left to do amazing things for God. He had three sons. When the boat was finished, he was 600. And some of you complain that God takes too long to fulfill things in your life. Noah spent 100 years building a boat in the middle of the desert. You can imagine what his friends were acting like. You can imagine what the guy down the street was doing. All of a sudden, his neighbor's going, what, what are you doing, mate? You're planting a garden. Oh, I've got to build a boat. You're in the debt. Like, you can imagine. Like, this. All of a sudden, the whole village comes, and oh, there's a tourist attraction going on in Noah's town. Come see the wacko who's building a boat. He says it's going to rain. We have no idea what that is, but it's going to happen, apparently. And, and there's money. You see, busloads are coming from all over Israel just to check out this guy building a boat in the middle there for a hundred years. You know, sometimes for us, we find it very easy to make a commitment. There might be an altar call in church or God places something on our hearts. And that right there, the whole Spirit of God is stirring our hearts, jumping out of our chest. And we've got sweats and shakes going on. Go, yes, Jesus! I'm going to follow you every step, and that's it. And then the next day we get up, and the kids are screaming, and we've got up, and we've hit snooze on an alarm, and we've slept too late, then we can't find the keys on the way to work, and, and we've run out of fuel, and there's an accident on the highway anyway, and so we try and take the side road, and that's even more congested than the highway is. And then there's a whole streamline of bike riders. Riding three abreast, going down. Um, if you ride bikes, God bless you. Um, I love you, my brother and sister. Um, within that, but, but all of a sudden, the second day, the third day, we might commit. Day six, day seven, Jesus hasn't brought the breakthrough on what I'm believing. Come on, God. If you don't do it tomorrow, it's all over. And, and we seem to stop there and give up, and many of us do within us. But. I wonder if you're prepared to go, you know what, I'm not going to hold anything back and I'm going to throw everything into what God's calling me to do. I'm going to throw everything into what I feel Him called me to do, no matter how stupid I look, no matter how crazy I look. It's just like the, uh, a man that was instructed, or it just felt the Spirit of God tell him one time, he's walking through this, I think it was outside a train station, he just feels God go, hey, go do a handstand in front of the Coke machine. Ah, uh, really? No, no. No, God, can you talk to me? Get out of my head, devil. Come on, the serious guy. I know what these social... I studied psychology, and in first-year psych, we, we had to go do these experiments. Like, has anyone ever walked into a lift? And usually when you walk into an elevator, you walk in the front doors, 
and you all turn around and you face the door. This is social etiquette. Unless you're at Ikea, then you walk in the front door and you know the other door is going to open. So you walk in and you still face the same way. I encourage you sometime, walk in the door and just stop. And look at everyone. And smile. See how you feel. See how they react. It's hilarious. Uh, within there. And so, so this guy's arguing with these like. I don't want to step into an elevator and face people. This is weird. I don't want to do a handstand in front of a Coke machine. And, and so eventually he gives up the argument and goes, okay, God, I'll go do it. And he goes, does this handstand in front of this Coke machine. And all of a sudden this lady comes up to him crying, like, what's going on? So, well, I was just walking up to that bridge up there. And I was, and I, and I was just saying, God, you know what? If, if you're real and you love me enough to stop me jumping off that bridge... Have someone come and do a handstand in front of that Coke machine. Are we prepared to give our all and follow the thing God's called us to do, even when it makes us look ridiculous? Even when it makes us just look absolutely, look absolutely stupid. So Noah builds an ark. That's, that's 100 years. That's, that's a big task right there. Now, Students at different universities in physics have studied this, and apparently the description in the Bible fits Archimedes' buoyancy principle that it will actually float, and because of the dimensions and the size and the weight, will actually hold 45,000 animals. Botanists have told us that probably at the time they needed to take 35,000 animals on board to save everything in there. It's not just some numbers written in a book. Anymore. But you've got to think, okay, somewhere between 35 and 45, let's say 40,000 animals in a 150-meter boat. That's 25 meters wide. Now, I know as a kid growing up, Noah's Ark looks like this. Yeah, even got a sail on top. It's absolutely wonderful. That thing's going everywhere. All the animals are happy. You've got a pink rhinoceros. And you've got red, red camels. It is wonderful. Um, just a happy time within that. Now, if you're like me, I, I grew up on the Sunshine Coast, so I've been to this place uh, once or twice. Oh, it didn't change. Go to the next, next picture. I've gone to that place once or twice. Crikey, isn't she a beauty? Oh, okay. um, now, Australia Zoo has about 1,000 animals. Um, if you've been to a zoo or a circus or any place with animals in recent memory, there's one thing I can distinctly remember from going to these places. They stink! <laughs> there are places which are really putrid. There's a thousand animals there. <laughs> there's 35,000 on that. Building an ark for 100 years, I'd choose that job over the next one. Somehow you've got to get 35,000 animals onto the thing. Praise God that he says he actually brought them to the ark. Because <laughs> rounding that up wouldn't be fun. Imagine trying to get the goats on. That's just nuts. Uh, <laughs> but God brought them. But then, there at sea, it rains and pours for 40 days. And then you've got to wait for everything to go down. Animals are eating. Because animals eat, they also... Eat. 
this is the part for Noah where he really put his faith on the line and really, really stepped into it a lot further because actually other accounts say at this point that Noah got so sick on the ark because of all the work because he didn't sleep. You imagine 35,000 animals in a space 150 meters long. Imagine the noise, the smell, everything else that he developed a cough and was constantly coughing up blood during the thing. That's not in the Bible. That's other accounts that, that have been storied, told on it all. Um, but are we prepared to follow Jesus, even if it means cleaning up the poo of 35,000 animals for six months of the year? Within that, are, are we prepared to step out on that? Because so often we think we hear the call of God and go, yes, I'm going to respond to that and follow that. And then, woohoo, it's, it's, I'm on a beach in the Bahamas and, and just chilling out, sitting back for the rest of it because now it's easy. I've, I've answered my call and I've fulfilled it and now it's gotten easier. Anyone that's answered Jesus knows that, well, the next step gets harder and the next step stretches a bit more and asks a bit more and it goes a bit deeper and it goes a bit further within that and God wants that he wants us to handle more opportunities and cultivate potential and and open possibilities and use you in a bigger way than what you ever thought you could imagine Jesus following Jesus is just that he'll stretch you out running a youth ministry with six kids was a bit different to what I do now it required faith in a different way and a, and a different set of skills within that. But he grows our capacity and he, he, he takes our capacity out and he lifts us up and he complicates our life. I wonder if you're prepared this year to say yes to the complications of Jesus. I wonder if you're prepared in your life to say yes to the things that he wants to complicate your life with. Because saying yes to him and what he's got on your heart is going to do that. Twelve years ago, my life got more complicated. It, it, it did. I got married to an absolutely wonderful, gracious, amazing person who understands me uh, wonderfully and, and is so kind to me. And yet, at that point, I had to consider someone more than myself. And at times, I didn't really understand what it meant to consider someone more than myself. And at times, I still don't understand that. But don't nod. <laughs> And then in the last few years, my life has got more complicated with these four. And, and praise God that it has. Because it is absolutely wonderful. Because I wonder how many times we'll be sitting at the end of our life, sitting back going, man, I really enjoyed that day of watching Netflix. That was the highlight of my life. Dawson's Creek, seasons 1 to 58. Whew. So glad I caught that for the fifth time. Really pleased that we did that one. No, you're going to sit back and, and, and picture all the challenges you overcame and all the things you achieved and, and tick off all those wonderful things that God got you to do within there. And, and I pray that your life will get complicated and busy because you say yes to Jesus. Sin can complicate your life. Get rid of that. Let Jesus complicate it. It's a lot more fun. Come on, would you pray with me this morning? Father, just thank you. Thank you for examples in the Bible of people that say, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to give it all and I'm going to follow Jesus.
you know, you might be here this morning and in your world and in your life, you've, maybe you've been doing that, you've been living a life of righteousness and you haven't been doing things that are in disobedience, you haven't been doing things wrong, but you've been feeling that tap of God to do something else. You've been feeling that tap of God on your heart to step into something else, to step out in faith, to do something new, to do something new for Jesus, or, or, or even it's just been a thing just to, just to step into something. That there's something that he's calling you that's maybe a little bit outside the norm, or maybe it is the norm, and you're just like, man, for me, that's scary. Now, if that's you, I just ask you to slip your hand up this morning. I just want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Amen. I believe there's people here this morning that God's tapping you on the heart and got things for you to do and got things in faith for you to do within that. Amen. Let's be faith in that. Let's, let's step out in those things. Amen. Father, we just thank you. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have called us to a purpose bigger than ourselves, called us to a reason that's greater than ourselves. And Lord, we just choose this day. Lord, we just choose this day to just step in that. Lord, but help us make a decision tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. Lord, we recognize sometimes you move slower than we'd like. But Lord, we want to act in faith and just follow the things that you've got for us. Lord, help us to flow into that, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to invite Andrew just to come and just share with us about someone who did go all in and um, someone who did give their all and someone who did do all the things that the Father asked and took us, took us there and was the actual example of all that. Uh, hi, folks. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, your luck's run out. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about communion. Um, and I've got my notes here just so that uh, I stay on track. So basically, I want to give you a little bit of a different perspective uh, on communion and particularly about Jesus' blood. So we often say, you know, he poured his blood out for you or his blood was shed for you. So, have you ever given blood before? You go to the donation centre, and what they'll do is they'll ask you a bunch of questions, and you fill out all these forms and information, and then you'll go in and see the nurse, and the nurse will uh, take like uh, a safety uh, needle and, and prick the end of your finger. And they'll take that drop of blood on the end of your finger, and they'll put it in a machine, and they'll check, you know, your glucose levels, or your iron levels, just to make sure your blood's healthy enough to donate. So, if you think about that tiny drop of blood on the end of your finger, and if I wasn't quite as lazy, I would probably go to the chemist, get one of those safety needles, and we could do this. Ow. So imagine I've got a drop of blood on the end of my finger. How many red blood cells are in that drop? Take a guess. A hundred? A thousand? Six thousand? Try somewhere between five and six million. So in a tiny drop of blood that would fit on the end of your finger, not even the full finger, there's six million red blood cells. 
So, if you think about Jesus, he didn't just give a drop of blood for you. He poured it all out. He gave everything. Now, I did some Googling. How much blood does a human body hold? Uh, hopefully the police won't be looking at that. But um, about, <laughs> about five, five litres, five litres of blood in the adult human male. That's six trillion red blood cells, six trillion. That's enough for every man, woman and child who's ever been born, who's living today and who will ever be born, who will ever exist. It's, it's enough to cover, you know, all the insects in the animal kingdom. It's enough to cover pretty much every living thing. Six trillion. So his blood covers us all. Now, of course, what we've got here is, is not blood. Well, I'm pretty sure it's just grape juice. But it's a symbol. Um, it's a symbol of what he did for us and how much he poured out for us. It's never not up to the task. It never runs out. There's always forgiveness. There's always the blood there and the bread. So let's do communion. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Uh, So those who are serving, please come. The communion table is open to everyone.